This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Rishi Sunak, an early frontrunner in Britain's Conservative Party leadership contest, officially launched his candidacy. The former finance minister, whose resignation last week triggered Boris Johnson's departure as prime minister, distanced himself from his rivals by arguing against tax cuts before inflation has been brought under control. As if to atone for his act of political regicide, Mr. Sunak warned against, quote, demonizing the, quote, remarkable Mr. Johnson. France's president, Emmanuel Macron, defended his role in the controversy over Uber's lobbying campaign to break into new markets, which was revealed by newspapers on Sunday. As finance minister in a previous administration, Mr. Macron was in regular contact with the American ride-hailing company. His opponents are calling for an official inquiry, but Mr. Macron said he was only fulfilling his duty, creating, quote, thousands of jobs. The committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol provided evidence of an unhinged meeting in which White House lawyers squared off against Donald Trump's advisors, who sought to keep him in power. The next day, Mr. Trump tweeted that there would be a, quote, wild protest in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Video from violent, far-right groups suggested that they viewed the tweet as a call to arms and the resulting riot as a, quote, revolution. Spain's government said it would impose a windfall tax on banks and energy companies to be worth over $7 billion over two years to lessen the pain caused by inflation. Pedro Sanchez, the socialist prime minister, argued that the move will trim the firm's excessive gains owed to rising interest rates and high energy costs. Shares of Spain's biggest banks fell. Thousands of mourners gathered in Tokyo to attend a private funeral for Abe Shinzo, the former prime minister of Japan. Following the ceremony, a hearse carrying Mr. Abe's body proceeded through the capital. Mr. Abe's assassination last week shocked Japan, where gun violence is extremely rare. America claimed that Iran is planning to supply Russia with, quote, several hundred combat drones for use in Ukraine. America's national security advisor said Russia's heavy shelling of eastern Ukraine was depleting its arsenal. Meanwhile, the death toll from a Russian missile strike on a residential building in Chasif Yar, a town in Donetsk province, rose to 33. Immigration officials in Sri Lanka prevented Basil Rajapaksa, a former finance minister and a brother of the outgoing president, Gotabaya Rajapaksa, from leaving the country. The president promised to step down this week after huge protests over the country's economic crisis. Parliament intends to choose a new president on July 20th. The main opposition party nominated its leader, Sajith Premadasa. And fact of the day, November 15th, 2022, the date on which the UN thinks the global population will reach 8 billion. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Gotta be found before he can go. Days after protesters turfed the Sri Lankan president out of his palace, the country remains in limbo. Gotabaya Rajapaksa says he will step down on Wednesday, but his whereabouts are unknown. Protests erupted in March over extended power cuts. Installing a new prime minister, Ranil Vikramasinghe, failed to appease Mr. Rajapaksa's critics. On July 9th, protesters demanded both men go. 
Angered towards the president and his family, many of whom also held plum posts, is at fever pitch. On Tuesday, Basil Rajapaksa, a brother and a former finance minister, was prevented from leaving the country. Parliament intends to choose a new president on July 20th. The main opposition party has nominated its leader, Sajith Premadasa. Mr. Vikramasinghe is a contender, too. Meanwhile, Mr. Rajapaksa is in a bind. If he resigns, he loses his immunity and may face charges for his role in the country's economic collapse. Moreover, in a view of ordinary Sri Lankans' anger, his personal safety cannot be guaranteed. Joe Biden's Aimless Trip to the Middle East Even Israeli officials acknowledge that they are a sideshow of the tour. On Wednesday, Joe Biden arrives for his first visit to the Middle East as president. During his stay in the Holy Land, he will meet with Israel's new caretaker Prime Minister, Yair Lapid, as well as Palestinian leaders. His itinerary also includes a visit to a Holocaust memorial site and a tour of the church where Jesus is believed to have been born. The more interesting leg of his trip starts on Friday, in Jeddah. As president, Mr. Biden has avoided Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, loathed by Democrats for his dismal human rights record and chummy ties with Donald Trump. But with oil hovering around $100 a barrel, Mr. Biden hopes to persuade the Saudis to pump more. And he wants to nudge them towards normalizing relations with Israel. It may be a wasted trip. Oil producers have little spare capacity, and the Saudis are in no rush to open an embassy in Tel Aviv, let alone Jerusalem. Forget Musk. Twitter is overdue a shakeup. Elon Musk's acquisition of Twitter was advertised as one of the biggest buyouts in history. Now it threatens to become, instead, one of the ugliest disputes. This week, Twitter is expected to file a lawsuit against Mr. Musk for pulling out of the $44 billion deal. The judge could allow Mr. Musk to walk away with a penalty of as little as $1 billion. Alternatively, he could order the Tesla founder to complete the deal at the agreed price. But whoever prevails in court, Twitter has bigger problems to reckon with. While Facebook has soared to 1.9 billion daily users, Twitter has reached just 230 million. Younger upstarts, notably TikTok, have lapped it. Its product has stagnated, and revenue growth is disappointing. Although nearly all of Twitter's money is made from advertising, it controls less than 1% of worldwide digital ad spending. Private ownership once looked as if it might enable the shakeup Twitter needs. Instead, the Musk affair may become yet another distraction from the urgent task at hand. Inflation rears its head again in America. The upward march in prices can feel relentless. On Wednesday, data for June are expected to show that inflation in America reached an annual pace of 8.8%, marking yet another four-decade high. The recent decline in oil prices means this might prove to be the peak. But that is scant comfort for people struggling with everything, from food to flights and haircuts to rents becoming more expensive. The immediate matter of interest for financial markets is what another high inflation reading will mean for the Federal Reserve. Most analysts reckon the Fed will raise interest rates by three-quarters of a percentage point later this month, notching up a second consecutive jumbo rate rise. 
In turn, investors are reducing their expectations for future inflation rates, just as the Fed intends. Unfortunately, they are doing the same for future growth. That is something the Fed cannot avoid. Gardening rodents. Gophers love to dig. Their signature mounds are the bane of gardeners and farmers across Central and North America. But man and rodent have more in common than they may realize. According to a recent study published in the journal Current Biology, gophers might be the only mammal other than humans that qualify as farmers. Tunneling is hungry work, yet gophers rarely forage on the surface. That has presented a puzzle, since zoologists at the University of Florida realized gophers could not be getting enough energy from the food they encounter as they dig. When the researchers investigated further, they found the gophers kept alive the roots of plants growing down into the burrows like stalactites. These roots, which are fertilized with the gophers' waste, in turn provide food for the animals. Admittedly, this requires a loose definition of farming. Cultivation is closer to the mark. But gophers are exhibiting impressively complex behavior. Whether this will nurture any affection among the farmers whose fields they undermine, however, is doubtful. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answer and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday, which Methodist preacher founded the Salvation Army? Tuesday, which member of the Monty Python group trained as a doctor? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Kate Shepard, who died on this day in 1934. Do not think your single vote does not matter much. The rain that refreshes the parched ground is made up of single drops. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.